Fiddlers for coming and leading us today. Thanks for our praise band and our instrumentalists to, uh, uh, to join them in that as well. So, And good morning to you, those of you who are here in the sanctuary. Uh, good morning to those who are worshiping with us online. It's summertime, and so we have a lot of folks out and about, and, uh, but they are so, many of them are so good to uh, join us online, and so want to remember them as well. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to read the end, the last couple of verses in Matthew chapter 28, then we're going to jump over and read some verses in the first chapter of Mark, and you should only have to uh, turn a page, if at all, to be able to do that. But while you're turning there, while you're finding your place, I'm going to tell you a story about a friend of mine. His name is Steve Taylor. Steve is a uh, uh, minister of education, churches across the state, uh, served in Weatherford for a while. Some of you may, may know him, served with Lifeway. Uh, Steve had a son named Ryan, and Ryan uh, served two terms uh, with the Army in uh, the Gulf War, and during his first term, he was uh, wounded and uh, came back to the States, but then de- then went back. And so shortly, not long before he was about to, to go back, he and Steve were somewhere having a conversation. And this is how Steve related the conversation to me. He asked Ryan, he said, Ryan, why are you, why are you deploying a second time? Why are you going back, son? You've served. You've, you've done uh, your duty. And uh, Ryan said, Dad, our unit has a mission. So I'm going back. And so they talked a little bit more and Steve began to ask him about the particular circumstances. There was an accident, there was a, an encounter that led to uh, uh, Ryan being wounded. And uh, he said, he asked Ryan, he said, now, son, why did y'all go that particular way? Wasn't, you know, was there not other ways to go? Did, and uh, Ryan said to him, dad, that was the most direct route that we needed to go to accomplish our objective. He said, there wasn't another way, Ryan. And Ryan said, no, Dad, there wasn't because of our mission. And then he said these words, and the mission is everything. I'm going to start a series this morning by that title. The mission is everything. What Ryan was saying was nothing supersedes it. Nothing supersedes the mission. All activity, everything has to apply, contribute to the mission. And uh, Ryan was saying, our unit, we don't, we don't have the right to just do anything. And we're going to apply that to the church. So hopefully you've found your place there. We're going to be reading the last words of Jesus And the last words of Jesus give us our first priority. So if you found your place there in Matthew chapter 28 and you're able to do so, please stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then if you'll turn over to the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning in verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, please open our eyes today that we might see. Open our minds that we might understand. Release our hearts that we might embrace your mission. Lord Jesus, I ask that you'll come today and through your word, Roar like a lion in our midst. And we pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it's always possible to do, uh, for a church to do lots of good things, but not do the thing. There's lots of good things to be done, and it's possible to occupy ourselves with those things, but not actually do the thing that we are called upon to do. So our mission, the reason we have a church, was stated very clearly for us right there in what we call the Great Commission. We, the, the purpose, our, our mission as a church is the Great Commission. These last words of Jesus that we read at the end of, of the Gospel of Matthew, our mission is the Great Commission, and if we're not about that mission, then you know what? We're out of commission. If we're not fulfilling this mission that's been given to us. You know, from time to time, naval ships get decommissioned. They, they're put in the harbor, not out on the seas where they're supposed to be. Ships weren't made for the harbor. Ships were made for the open seas. But a ship that's sitting in the harbor, decommission it because it's not fulfilling the reason for which it was brought into existence. Commission. The Great Commission. Uh, I actually looked up what a, the definition of a commission. A commission is a formal written warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duty. And that's what we have, what we just read. It's a written statement and it tells us what we are to do. And so when we call it a commission, that indicates that it's a, it's a joint endeavor, the, that the mission, the commission, is something that we do together. And um, so the question then that we're going to be asking through all this series, question I need to ask myself, question you need to ask yourself as it relates to each one of us, is the mission for me 
everything? Or is it just something? Is it everything? For Ryan Taylor, the mission was everything. It didn't matter. There was nothing else in his field of vision except the mission. So the test then, I guess, right? The test of whether or not the mission is everything to me is um, to what extent do I participate in it? To what extent do you participate in this great commission? Because if the mission is everything, then we'll be participating in it. Um, Over the years, I've had occasions when I've been in different churches and haven't done it here, but I think probably would be a similar outcome. If I were to just pass out some index cards, and on that index card, I would ask you to to write for me what is the mission of this church. We could have done that this morning. Would have been interesting. Here's, but here's what I think would probably the outcome have been. Everything written on those cards would have been very good things. There wouldn't be a thing written on there that, would, that I would go, that's a complete waste of time. But they would also most likely share another characteristic. And this char- the characteristic would be this, is that these things that, that show, tend to show up on those kinds of cards are usually means to an end, but not the end. There's a difference. You can say, what's the mission? And then there's things that allow you to accomplish that mission, but they're not synonymous with the the mission. So they wouldn't be wrong per se, but they would need focusing. What I hope to do, Lord willing, over these next few weeks as we think about this, is for us to focus, to focus, and to say, out of all the things that are being done, what is the mission in all of that? And as I think about this, and I think about how it happens sometimes in churches, and how we get a little bit of we get a little bit out of commission. I think about something that happens to me on a fairly regular basis. And uh, happens to me more often than I'm comfortable admitting to you that it happens. But I'll be sitting at one end of my house. I'll be sitting in my office, okay? And at the other end of my house is our bedroom and our bathroom. And I'll be sitting there in my office and I'll think of something that needs to be done. Something will pop into my head. I'll go, man, you know, I was supposed to do that. Brenda asked me to do it or I I know that I need to do it, so I'll get up out of my office, and I'll begin to walk towards the bedroom to do that. I've got to go. I'm going to go pursue this objective. I'm going to go do this thing. And along the way, other things seem to cross my field of vision. I'll see that, well, you know, this, I need to pick this up as I'm going. It's just laying right there. I'm going to pick it up. Well, that's, you know, I need to put that over there. So I found a couple of other, and there, and all of those things along the way are good things, I, and I do them as I go. But, you know, I'm headed back to my objective, and I get back to our bedroom, and I stand there, and I go, what did I come in here to do? Now, I'm sure that's never happened to any of y'all. But it happens to me on a fairly regular basis. And I think it's a good illustration of what happens to churches. We set out 
and we have a mission. Somewhere back in the day, this church was planted, and there were some people who came together and said, we have a mission. And so we begin to move towards that mission, and along the way, all kinds of other things come across our field of vision. And for the most part, every one of them is a good thing. But if we're not careful, at some point we'll find ourselves standing somewhere thinking, what did we set out to do in the beginning? So, to that end, I want to I I share three things with you this morning. And the first one is, we're going to start with, I want to start with the purpose of the church. What is the purpose of the church? Why do we have a church anyway? When Jesus brought the church into existence, what was in his mind? What was the objective? What was the mission? And as we read through the Great Commission, what you see there is one imperative. Imperative just means a command. One command that Jesus gives us, and then you find three, I'm going to use a grammatical word here, Three participles. I know when you sit out this morning, you said to yourself, man, I really hope the preacher will talk some about grammar today. I really would love to hear something about grammar today. But just bear with me for a moment, okay? One imperative, three participles. The imperative in the Great Commission, there's a lot of things in there. It talks about going. It says go therefore. Literally, it's going therefore. There's going, there's baptizing, and there's teaching. And all three of those are participles. And a participle is a noun that acts like a verb. It describes how something is done. So there's an imperative in there. And Jesus says, you're going to do this thing, the imperative. You're going to do this thing by going. You're going to have to go to do it. And you're going to do this thing by baptizing. And you're going to do this thing by teaching. But what's the thing? What is the mission, the purpose of the church? Jesus said, make disciples. That, in a word, is the, two words, excuse me, is the mission of the church. Now, I want to really quickly clarify something here. My guess is at this point you're saying amen. Yes, make disciples. Might not be 100% clear about what that is, but you're saying yes, that's the mission. Yes, amen, preacher. I want you to notice something. The mission of the church is not to be a disciple. That's not what it says. We're being disciples here today. We're worshiping. Maybe you were in a Bible study group earlier and you were studying God's word you were fellowshipping maybe you were serving in the capacity all of those are great things those are disciple things those are being disciples but the mission of the church is to make disciples we're good at doing disciple things but are am I are you Making other disciples? I mean, if you're not making disciples, 
can you really claim to be one? Because the making of it is part of the being of it. Listen, this is some serious business here that I have to think about, you have to think about. Because if we're not all over this, we've been decommissioned. Um, so essentially what we're talking about here is reproduction. You're a disciple, and so you are helping someone else to become a disciple. It's reproduction. Um, and so ask, we need to ask ourselves, would spiritually cloning me be a good idea? Would another person, another disciple, another person just like me, would that be a good idea? And if, okay, if so, could you do it? Could you make a disciple? Let's just say this morning, during this time of invitation, somebody comes forward to the invitation and says, you know what, the Lord has touched my heart today. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. We say, great. So I'm thinking to myself, who's going to disciple this person? And I start looking around. I say, and I say to them, I say, hey, do you see anybody here you know? And they survey out over this crowd and they go, I know her. Young girl says, I know her. Or a, a, a middle-aged man says, I know him. And I look at you and give you this. And I ask you, hey, so-and-so just prayed to receive Christ this morning. I want you to begin to walk with them to maturity. I want you to disciple them. Could you do it? If not... We got problems. We got big problems. Because that's what the Great Commission is. And if you could do it, if you, if you would say, I'll step up and do it, would you be proud of the outcome? Because you know what reproduction means is that they become like me. I mean, most of us, it's, you know, it's modeling. And what if what I just did here wasn't a theoretical question, but what if it really happened? So, if that's what it means to make a disciple, I mean, if, that, if the purpose of the church means, uh, if the purpose of the church is to make disciples, so let's ask ourselves then, then what does a disciple look like? Because a discipler, disciple is just simply a follower, follower of Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, those individuals who followed him were his disciples. That's what it means to uh, be a disciple. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You follow him. So what is the picture of that? What does it look like? That's why we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. And in, those few, in that one short verse in there, we get the picture of what it means to be a disciple. Jesus says three things there, and it gives us the three characteristics of, a, of one of his followers. He said, first of all, he says, follow me. Second thing he says, I will make you become. And the third thing he says, fisher of men. Some translations read, Fisher, fishers of people. And that's probably the better translation. So, three characteristics of, of a disciple. So if we're going to be about making disciples, we, we really need to get very clear on what, the, what a disciple looks like. 
So the first thing that a disciple looks like, a disciple is somebody who is in an absolute relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do I say absolute? It's not conditional. It's not a relationship that says, well, Jesus, if you do this, I'll do this. But if you don't do this, then I won't do this. That's a conditional relationship. That's not what we're talking about. That's not a relationship with Jesus at all. I'm talking about an absolute relationship with Jesus. Someone comes into that relationship. We enter into that relationship by faith, by trust. When you follow someone, you are saying, I trust them. I trust that they know where they're going. I'm going to follow so first thing that a, the picture of a disciple is somebody who comes into a relationship with Jesus. We're going to be starting VBS tonight. And one of the things that VBS over the years historically has been so effective, by the way, it is one of, I think it is, our most effective evangelistic tool where young boys and girls are brought into this relationship with Jesus. That's where it all begins. It, being a follower with Jesus begins with somebody coming to faith in Him, becoming born again. The second thing that, the second characteristic is, Jesus is being, now you begin to be transformed by Jesus. Jesus says, follow me, I will make you become. So there's transformation. So we step into this relationship with Jesus. We step out of darkness into light. We step from death into life. We follow Jesus. And then he begins to transform us. He begins to change us. When one of those individuals that comes forward during the service, they've started on that path as a follower of Jesus. But we, you and I, we all know there's a lot that now needs to go on. There's a lot of transformation that has to happen. There's a lot of growth. And so the second characteristic of a, of a follower of Jesus is that I, he is transforming me. Sometimes we use the word sanctification. Same word, same concept, same reality. Becoming more like Jesus in our actions and our attitudes. And then the third characteristic, Jesus said, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. So the, out of the result of coming into that relationship with Jesus and, and then be, beginning that process of transformation, now I'm going to pursue the mission of Jesus. I'm going to join Jesus in his mission. So it's a beginning stage, it's a developing stage, and then it's a deploying stage where now, because of the work that Jesus is doing in me, I go and represent him. I go and serve him. I go, I begin to make disciples, I begin to try and reach out to human brokenness, Beginning, developing, deploying. Everything that we do as a church needs to fit one of, those, one of those stages. If there's anything that we're doing that we can't draw a straight line 
between what we're doing and, and that process, then we don't have any right to do it. Everything, we're in here worshiping today. And ideally, is that's, it becomes an opportunity for somebody to begin that relationship with Jesus. And it also becomes a part in which God is transforming us and developing us. And it is a place in which we hear the call of Jesus to go and do likewise. So everything uh, we do, everything I do needs to fit in that picture or we have no right to do it. Um, sometimes it's not a question of us needing to do different things. Most of the time, it's a question of us needing to do the same things differently. Do them strategically. Do them with in mind of how, when we do this, how are we making a disciple? Um, and by the way, this disciple making looks, looks very different in a lot of different, listen, it, sometimes it's one-on-one, -on -one, sometimes it's one-on-a-few, sometimes there's a collectiveness to it. Sometimes it's what you do with your family. Some of you right now are discipling your children. God bless you. That's what you should be doing. It looks, it looks there's a variety of expressions of it. But everything has to come back to, am I making a disciple? Jesus said, all, full, all authority is given to me. That means that Jesus is the boss of the church and that we have no right to just do anything. But we do what is a part of fulfilling his mission for us. I realize there is a sense in which we feel ownership of our church. And I think that's good. People will say sometimes, this is my church. I think that's good. I think that it, that's, a, that's the kind of, of attitude that we, uh, can we, we can build on. But one caveat. It's my church because Jesus shares with me when I commit to his purpose and mission for the church. It's not my personal play toy. People say, oh, you don't know what I've given to the church. You're right, I don't. But I do know this. Nobody's given more to the church than Jesus. Because Acts 20 tells us that he bought the church with his own blood. Hey, I get it. We've all got a lot invested in our churches. But it's my church when I say I take Jesus' mission as my own. So there's the purpose of the church, there's a picture of a disciple, and then finally there is the presence of the Lord. Jesus said, I am with you always. And that you is plural. We don't, we don't have a good way to do this in English. To differentiate between a singular you, as in when I'm just talking to you, 
or when it's a plural you, uh, in which I'm able to say you collectively. Well, we know how to do that though, right? Y'all, that's what we say, y'all. But there's no y'all in the New Testament, so we, sometimes we have to say this is a plural you. It is Jesus saying, I will be with you as a whole, always. That's his promise. That's his, the promise of his presence. And when the purpose is being pursued and the picture is being developed in our lives, then we can claim his promise. But remember, every promise has a premise. Okay? There's a promise, I'll do this, but there's, all, there's usually a condition. Okay? And the promise... Well, let me say it to you this way. The Lord will never let His church fail as long as we make the mission everything. That's the premise to the promise. But if we start trying to claim the promise without the premise being true, we're on shaky ground. You know, Israel believed that God would have never allowed them to be taken into captivity because they had the ark. That was the premise. They thought the premise was, we've got the ark, therefore the promise, God will always be with us. They had a wrong premise. The premise was, God's, if, if, for instance, if they had pursued God's purpose for them, which was to be a light to the nations, premise, God would have always kept them, protected them, promise. No premise, no promise. Friends, we need Jesus to be with us always. But the premise of that is, make disciples. Right now, at this particular point in the life of our church, the transition team, they are working in six sub-teams. Talked about this previously. And essentially what they're doing is developing a plan for disciple-making. How are we as a church, in the, as we move forward, how do we need to be making disciples? And that's how God views us. That's how God looks at us on the, on the, on the basis of disciple-making. It is the grounds for His blessing of our efforts. There's efforts going on. But God blesses the efforts that are about the mission. The mission of making disciples. God doesn't evaluate us. God doesn't look at us in terms of our buildings. He doesn't say, man, you got some great buildings there. Everything's going to be fine. He doesn't evaluate us through our attendance. Oh, you had 10 more here today than you had last week. Everything's going to be fine. He doesn't evaluate us by Great relationships. Oh, you got some great relationships there. 
He doesn't evaluate us by the fact that we're running a well-oiled machine. He evaluates us by making disciples. That's the mission. And the mission is everything. Is it everything to you? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Obviously, you can't make a disciple until you are one. So that's where we begin. Everybody within the sound of my voice, are you in an absolute relationship with Jesus? No conditions. No conditions, no if, then. God, if you do this, then I'll do this. That God absolutely, you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't think I have that relationship. I'm not sure I have all the answers to that relationship. What I would say to you this morning is, commit everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Him. Give yourself to Him completely. Absolutely. And if you... Come to him in faith. The Bible says he will in no wise cast you out. We invite you to do that this morning. That's where it all begins. But I may be speaking to someone here this morning that has done that, maybe did it 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years or 40 years ago. But if the truth be told, You're not becoming what he wants you to become. You're not being transformed into the image of Jesus. Maybe today, God is leading you to step into that afresh. to let him examine your heart, to eradicate the idols that are in your heart, the things that you have come to love more than him. And then finally, have you embraced the mission of Jesus? Sure is easy sometimes say, you know, we have people on staff that do that. Well, the problem is right now, we don't have very many people on staff. Maybe, just maybe, God has us right where he wants us. And it's time for us to step up and embrace this mission, the mission of making disciples. Would you commit yourself to that this morning? You say, I don't know what it looks like. We can talk about that. 
But all the talking in the world doesn't matter unless you will give yourselves to it this morning without reservation. There's lots of people that can help you. I can help you. But you gotta, you got to decide. Are you going to, is the mission going to become everything? We're going to have a time of invitation to give you a chance to respond. The altar is always open. If God's leading you to make a public decision, a profession of faith, surrender of your life, to ministry leadership, vocational leadership, this is your time. Father, we thank you that... Um, you have made your mission very clear to us. You never told us that it would be easy. And along the way, you assured us that there will always be distractions. Lord, if we've gotten lost along the way, help us to get back on track. Help us to remember reason why you called us in the beginning help us to remember the reason why some people here in Elk City a long time ago said we need a church Lord by your grace and with your strength we'll follow you anywhere and we'll follow your mission in Jesus